Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the first episode in this new podcast series, Discover North Korea. I am your host, Zoe, from Zoe Discovers, and over the next few episodes, or however long this podcast survives, I'm going to be chatting to you all about North Korea, and specifically the tourism aspects of North Korea and the aspects that you may not often hear about in the media. My aim here is to basically expand on the North Korean narrative, tell you things about North Korea you might not have known, have a chat about the more personal things from my own personal experiences going in and out of North Korea, and just basically learn a little bit more about this country that seems to be in the media so much and yet that so few people have actually visited or that so few people actually spend the time to do their own research on. The media narrative tends to be very uh, one-sided and usually all about the same things, so I hope to change that a little bit here. If you follow me on various other channels like YouTube and Instagram, you'll know all of that already, so I don't want to dwell on that too much in this little introduction here, but I will be going into it in much more detail over the next few episodes. Who am I? What on earth am I doing? And uh, why do I go in and out of North Korea so much? But firstly, let's kind of get into this first episode, and I'm actually so excited to be starting this podcast. It's very, very nerve-wracking, and I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm like borrowing equipment from friends, Um, you know, googling how to start a podcast when I feel like everyone else is starting a podcast. Uh, The reason that I haven't done this yet, actually, there are so many reasons why I haven't done this yet. I started doing social media stuff around North Korea by 
I would say mid 2019 to the end of 2019 and by the end of 2019 I had like bought myself a nice camera um, to do lots of videoing in North Korea so I was planning to do like a big vlog thing I did make about three or four pretty decent good vlogs and um, good vlogs sorry you can find them on my YouTube but unfortunately as we all know what happened in 2020 at the very start of 2020 is um, COVID came and crashed down uh, onto the globe and changed all of our lives. So I haven't been able to do exactly what I wanted to do with this channel. And over the past few years, I've been basically waiting for North Korea to open back up. Now I have kept my YouTube alive. I have kept my Instagram alive, but it's not how I would like it to be. I want it to be fresh content, new content, and stuff like that. So I've been kind of waiting um, for the start of North Korea tourism again. Unfortunately, I am not here with an announcement that it has started, but I'm sick of waiting. It's been three years now. And also, you know, so many people ask all these questions all the time, and I listen to podcasts personally all the time, and I just feel like maybe, I don't know, Maybe you'll enjoy listening to me chatting away whilst you're on your morning run or on your morning commute or whatever it is that you're doing. I hope you do enjoy this podcast. Obviously, very new to this. So if you have any recommendations, if you have any feedback, absolutely anything you want to say to me at all, then do message me on Instagram. It's at ZoeDiscoversNK or you can also email me on zoediscovers at gmail.com. So the idea of this podcast is that I will try and get one out every single week. It's going to come out every Thursday. It's not just going to be me chatting away like this. Um, as much as I really love the sound of my own voice, uh, I much prefer when I am chatting with people. Obviously, it's much more fun and dynamic. So a lot of the episodes are going to have guests on them. I'm really excited for two of the episodes. One of them is today. We're actually going to have guests on today. Yes, multiple of them. And in a few weeks time as well, we're going to have um, another guest episode. Uh, so do stick around for them. And there is also going to be a general theme weekly as well. And that theme is going to be around a question that you guys have sent in. So um, like I said, do feel free to email in or message with your questions. As much as I hate talking about myself, genuinely, next week's episode's focus is going to be on me, um, my journey on how I got into the North Korea tourism industry, um, my first impressions of North Korea, um, all of that kind of stuff. So I don't want to go into it too much detail right now, but as an introduction to me, I am Zoe. I'm from the UK. I've worked in North Korea tourism since around 2017-2018. Um, I have been to North Korea just under 30 times. I work for Koryo Tours and they are the company that's been leading tours to North Korea the longest. Actually, they are just as old as I am. Um, so, <laughs> almost 30 years old. And they are really the pioneers in North Korea tourism. At the moment, the North Korean borders are closed, unfortunately, due to COVID. They closed in mid-January 2020, but I have been keeping pretty busy. I have every intention to go back into North Korea tourism 
I have gone back to university, I've done two masters, and now I am doing my PhD in Taiwan. So like I said, every single episode is going to have a theme. And this week's theme, which is a question I think a lot of you have, and it's a question that I get asked a lot, you know? If I, I genuinely, I don't really bring it up with people that I work in North Korea tourism because then you get a lot of, a lot more questions, okay? Um, usually I just tell people that I'm a, a tour guide in Korea um, or I work in marketing or something like that. I only kind of uh, let people know if it's, uh, you know, some people keep pushing or if it's relevant to the conversation. So once I let people know that I'm a tour guide in North Korea, obviously people really want to know what is the tour to North Korea really like, okay? It's a really good question because it is actually very difficult to know what a tour to North Korea is really like. If you hit up YouTube um, and look at all of the vlogs from YouTubers, from travel vloggers who have been to North Korea, mainly you will just find people that say how crazy it is or, you know, videos that are entitled crazy trip to North Korea. Um, I can't believe what happened to me in North Korea. You know, all of this, all of this stuff. And Whilst a lot of them can be informative, actually, I don't think that they give a very fair representation to what a tour to North Korea is really like. Also, everyone has varying experiences. Actually, no one single tour is the same. You can go for two days, you can go for three days, you can go for 20 days. Every single tour is very different. Every single itinerary will be planned slightly differently. And whilst there are some key places that you do visit, there are some places that we visit in North Korea that you will have never thought of before um, or that you don't even know are possible to visit in North Korea. And that goes from like simple things such as going to a cafe or a bar where the locals are also eating and drinking to a bowling alley and, you know, a spa and stuff like that to then going hiking in the mountains, swimming in the sea, um, visiting the museums and stuff like that. So... There is a really, really big range of stuff that you can do in North Korea. It's not just about going and paying your respects at the monuments. It's not just about visiting the, you know, art galleries or the schools and stuff like that. And the experience is very individual. It's very different for everyone. And so with this uh, first episode, I thought it would be a really fun idea as we discuss what a tour to North Korea is really like to get some people on the podcast who have been to North Korea themselves. So I basically put it out to Instagram um, who wants to be involved in my um, new fun project um, and who has been to North Korea with me and I got a lot of response and we are going to have a chat today about what a tour to North Korea is really like. It's going to be fun so um, I'm actually super excited to talk to them because I haven't spoken to a lot of them since I saw them in North Korea, okay? Um, and I had some really, really great fun times with these guys. And also, I'm just I'm just really excited to be talking about North Korea again because, you know, this is my passion, this is my life, um, this is what I love doing. So, without further ado, let us welcome everyone onto the podcast. Just as a little bit of an introduction on who we have on the podcast today and as a little bit of background, we have Locke from Hong Kong. He came to North Korea in 2019 in August for five days with me um, on the Liberation Day short tour. I still remember eating that Bingsu ice cream um, at the Arch of Triumph Monument. 
awesome times. Tasha from Slovenia came to North Korea in May 2019 for 11 days. That still remains as one of my absolute favorite tours, the 11th day May Day tour. We went to so many cool places, great fun. Um, and James Yuanxin Lee from America, he actually went to North Korea in August 2009 with Choreo Tours. Um, so James is a good friend of mine. Um, he went to North Korea with Choreo Tours way back in the day, um, way back when Americans could actually go, which they unfortunately can't at the moment. Um, and so I probably have a, a thing or two to learn from James, who um, who went back all the way, um, you know, over 10 years ago. To let all of our listeners know who is who and um, and a little bit more about you, do you guys mind introducing yourself maybe with your name and your favorite Korean food? Sure. Um, welcome from Hong Kong. Uh, my favorite Korean food is the Pingyang cold noodles. So good. I really miss them. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm Tiasha from Slovenia. And I think my favorite Korean food is kimchi, actually. Nice. Kimchi. It's always like my go-to kind of like, this is totally healthy kind of food. Spice yeah. up anything. <laughs> yeah, I'm James, James Yuan Shin Lee. I'm from San Francisco. And um, I'm not a big fan of kimchi, but if you make it in a pancake form, and fry it then it's pretty good mm. or put in fried rice but uh, also in the states we are big fans of um uh korean fried chicken although there's a debate as to whether or not the koreans invented it or or not the uh, united states military had an influence <laughs> kfc korean fried chicken absolutely love it it's very popular both in north and in south the next thing that i kind of want to ask you so all of you came on tour with me or have been to North Korea um all on um all on different tours actually and all at very very different points so most of you was um actually two of you came to came on tour with me in 2019 I think that's Locke and Chasha yeah. and then James um you went to North Korea in 2009 is that correct correct it was a little different in some ways. Yeah. <laughs> I think we are all going to learn quite a lot from you, actually, James, because the North Korea that you would have seen 10 years ago than when we went, um, I'm sure will be very different. So I'm kind of looking forward to hear about that. Maybe you can try describe, if possible, describe your North Korea trip in three words. Um, I, it took me a long time. I, I picked uh, surprising, familiar, and the third one was addictive. Oh. Um, uh, it was so addictive that uh, one person in our group went back so many times, eventually the North Koreans got suspicious and banned him. Said, Why is this guy coming back so many times? And another guy in our group, Joe Twilliger, hooked up with Dennis Rodman after the tour and started going to North Korea. So I mean, there, a lot of things spawned from this trip. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's a really interesting adjective. I've never heard anyone describe their North Korea trip as addictive, but I can totally relate. <laughs> How about you, Tasha? What would you say? Um, I actually also had a really tough time deciding on words. I went through photos yesterday. I think the first thing that came to mind was like really beautiful mm -hmm. and calm and also unexpected. 
Beautiful, calm, and unexpected. I think those are three adjectives that no one would describe North Korea as. No, no, I mean, unless you've been to the country, you know, like, I totally agree with you. But it's just, it's so interesting that, like, you would pick those adjectives. Um, And you're totally right, you know, there are some really gorgeous places in North Korea. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, we went on the um, May Day 11 day tour, right? So yeah. spend some time in Pyongyang and then you also get to go along the um, East Coast, which actually like, it was my first time that I went to the East Coast was on that trip with you guys. <laughs> um, yeah, there's a first time for all of us. So what you guys were experiencing in May Day, like I was really experiencing as well. Um, I loved going to the East Coast. Um, it's it's really is beautiful. And once you get out of Pyongyang, it's very calm. Um you know, there's not that hustle and bustle of the capital city. And how about you, Locke? What would you go for? I'm, I'm not a very uh, literate person. So my three words are out of this world. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 the, and the reason is because I, I was I was thinking about good adjectives to uh, to describe my, my trip. But I I felt that, you know, both from a, uh, you know, philosophical point of view and a practical point of view, the trip to North Korea was really out of this world. And uh, and you can you can take all the you know how normal people would uh, would, would take those you know four words I guess three to four words uh, and, uh, and and put it in the trip to North Korea and I think uh, it was still fits it was just very different from all the other places that I've been not in a bad way in a good way as well so I just want to be clear about that yeah yeah no <laughs> definitely I mean for you guys who travel quite a bit um what would you say is the main difference between like a tour to North Korea and a tour in any other country well. In North Korea, it's a guided tour. I don't know. Usually, I don't travel with tour groups, so it's actually in a nice way because you have everything organized. You don't have to think about anything, what you're gonna do, where you sleep, or anything. In that way, it's really nice. But then you're also missing on the opportunity to just maybe stroll around the city in the evening. You don't have that there. I think that's one of the things that um, puts people off going to North Korea. I know that I have at least two good friends that, you know, they love traveling. They've traveled to very many countries and stuff. But the thing that puts them off the most is not that it's North Korea, but like the fact that they have to go on a guided tour. Like, did you guys who, you know, you travel a lot, did you feel like that was a pain or how are your feelings with the guided tour aspect of things um first i i didn't i don't like the idea if i have the option i will choose to go alone but actually my group for the May Day tour was amazing it was really nice people all interested in north korea and it was actually a really great experience didn't feel like a traditional guided tour group that goes from one monument to another listens to some history and then moves on so it was really nice yeah, I was I was gonna say I think the uh, the, the guided tour part is actually not the biggest I would say hurdle. It's just that the uh, the, the planning of the trip, you know, the, the the early booking of the trip, making sure that I I can make it to Beijing so I can make it to North Korea that sort of stuff. Because normally I travel quite uh, I would say randomly, as in as in my backpack and then a, you know a, a guidebook and then that's it. You know, I don't I don't necessarily plan my whole trip the whole way. I don't even know when I'm gonna leave a place uh, normally um but but for for a guided tour like this of course is, it takes a lot of power planning to uh to make it happen once you you know once you get there then obviously i don't have to think about it it's just follow whatever whatever is on the uh on the agenda but uh yeah it's, it's fine i mean it's, it's good it wasn't it wasn't as uh 
as restrictive as I thought it would be anyway. Yeah, it didn't bother me um, in general. I mean, I'm kind of a pretty laid back person. The only time it became an issue was when one of the guys got tired of me taking too many pictures. <laughs> I think I was across the um, river from the Juche Tower. And, um, you know, when he said, he's, you know, he's, when he suggested I had taken enough and you <laughs> want to go somewhere else, then yeah, okay, that's fine. I'll, I'll go somewhere else with you. <laughs> That's a very polite way to say it. I think you might have taken enough photos. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a really interesting point, though, because I mean, I just kind of take it for granted now. And like, you know, I, I'm a kind of tour guide myself, but like, totally, I get why a lot of people don't like the aspect of going with a tour group. Like you said, look, I mean, I'm the same as you, like, I just pack my bags and leave. But in a way, at the same time, like, it's kind of nice. Um just having everything planned out for you and I guess mm. that's also what you pay for because these tours are not cheap right so um you know it's kind of nice that when you when you kind of go there okay you don't have to think about much because you've got other stuff that you need to think about because you're in North Korea <laughs> <laughs> how did you find getting the North Korean visa because a lot of people are like oh my gosh the North Korean visa must be so difficult like how is that for you it was really easy actually yeah my only complaint was that I there's no embassy in the United States, whereas in the UK, there's an embassy, so you could actually get a stamp in your passport. So I was envious of people who, who could get a stamp in their passport, whereas ours, it was on a separate piece of paper and we didn't get to keep that. No, I was gonna say it was, uh, it was easy for us as well, in, uh, at least from Hong Kong, you know, traveling on a Hong Kong passport. Um, we obviously entered China using a separate document, but then we didn't get a stamp on a passport for entering North Korea either. So uh, that was a bit of a shame. Uh, but on that, it was uh, it was just the, the 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 tour company took care of the visa thing, so it's not not bad. Yeah, it's funny because yeah. with the North Korean passport, like it's something that either people really really want or really don't want in their passport. Um, <laughs> so you know, for a bit of context for listeners out there who don't know, like um, in order to get the North Korea visa stamp in your passport, you do have to either go to the North Korean embassy in your country. There are about, I don't know, around 20 North Korean embassies worldwide, but then also, and then you can get like the visa stamp in. I don't know if you guys knew that actually. Um, It's not something that like generally as a tour company, we promote just because it adds a whole layer of difficulty onto things. Um, It's not the easiest thing um, to coordinate. It's easier if the tour company just kind of do it for everyone else. Um, but if you your country does have a North Korean embassy in it, you can go there and you can get the North Korean visa in your passport. And then that is what is stamped when you enter and exit North Korea. Otherwise, when you enter, like you guys know, you have a blue um, visa thing document that's separate from your passport. And that is what is stamped in and out. Unless you go to a place in northeast of North Korea called Rason. I don't know if you guys ever heard of this place, but... It's the place that I first went to when I went to North Korea, weirdly enough. It's like North Korea's special economic zone. It's pretty cool, um, but not somewhere that people usually visit. But there they give you a passport stamp in your passport. So um, maybe that's a second trip for you guys. When it opens up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. Is that something that you guys have ever considered going to North Korea again? Yes, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Well, Americans have a double barrier, so... Yeah, um, yeah. COVID and the American travel ban. Let's hope <laughs> let's hope they get lifted. Okay, so 
we've talked a little bit about outside North Korea. So let's go into North Korea because I'm super interested to hear, you know, about your experiences in North Korea. I feel like going to North Korea is a very personal experience and everyone has a very different experience. So I'd love to hear from your point of view, your experiences. And you can be completely like very open um, here. This is a safe place. So the first thing that I kind of want to ask you guys is what was something that surprised you the most? When you first landed, um, so I took the train from uh, from Beijing, uh, oh, I should say from Bandung, and uh, and other than the checkpoint at uh, Sinuju, I think is how to pronounce it. You know, the, the officially when you first enter is in is in Pingyang when I got off the train station, right? And I'm sure that I'm sure that we've all heard that oh they put on the show for you in North Korea uh, as a tourist, right? But I think as soon as I step out of the train station, that thought has been smashed because it was just so busy. Outside of train station, just like people walking everywhere, um, and so crowded with you know um, people, basically generally, and I and, and I just thought that there's no way that this is an act, right? It's like just normal, uh, just normal crowded capital city around a train station, not unlike other train stations around the world that I've been, where where just people just come in and out and and you know crowded. So that was the most surprising thing for me when I first uh, first landed, and actually it set a good tone for uh, for for what to come in the next you know. Uh, few days of the tour. Um, I arrived by plane, and what really surprised me, there was actually no real security check when you enter North Korea. Mm-hmm. You just kind of walk through. I expected at least someone asking me why I'm there, well, I'm with the tour or something, but you just kind of walk through, and you were in North Korea, and that was it. I think I was surprised by how big everything was. I mean, I brought my cameras. But I didn't bring a, like a wide-angle lens for landscape or, you know, to all these gigantic um, squares or monuments. So I, you know, I got pieces of certain monuments. But if I had a better lens, I could have gotten the whole thing. So it just, I was surprised by the impressiveness of a lot of the structures and the monuments. Oh, that's an interesting one. Okay. And I mean, we talked a little bit about um, what it's like when you get into North Korea. James, I'm just kind of wondering, like, um, do you think that after hearing from um, Locke and Tasha that their experience going in was quite simple in terms of like customs checks and stuff like that, back in 2009, what did you kind of have, did you go in via via train or plane? And what kind of security checks did they ask you back then? Because I know, some of the rules have changed. Like, for example, mobile phones used to be banned and now they're not banned. So what was it like when you kind of headed in? Uh, well, back then, again, being an American, we were at disadvantage. We weren't allowed to take the train. So we had to fly in. And it was um, uh, an enjoyable experience uh, flying on Corio, um, air, air Airlines. Um, but yeah, we had to turn on our phones at the airport, which was a bit concerning. Uh, because this was a new country. I didn't know uh, what it was going to be like. Would we get our phones back? Uh, would there be any issues about it? Um, was there anything weird on my phone? <laughs> but yeah, we got it back on the way out. There was no problem at all. It was, it was uh, pr- pretty normal. One guy in a group, actually, he wore a GPS watch throughout the entire trip. Mm-hmm. And they didn't bother him on that. And I wish I had thought of that. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, it's, all, it's always funny with the GPS watches because, I mean, I mean, everyone has GPS on their phones and stuff. Like, now yeah. we're in, you know, 2019, 2020, when we're going in and out. It's impossible to have a device without GPS, really. 
the main yeah. thing to just but you're always going to be asked about it so the customs officers are always going to ask do you have a gps device and i guess what they really mean by that is like do you have a physical gps like tracker and so we just basically tell everyone you know just say no because also there are people that come in i mean i've got a running watch on right now like there are people who go in for the pyongyang marathon and they're big runners and obviously they want to track their their running yeah. and stuff so they yeah. all have gps and stuff like that so I think when I went, it was pretty new, so no one thought yeah. to ask at the time. I did mention to Zoe that I had a PG-13 story at the airport, which oh, no. it was just something that surprised me. So we, we get off the plane, and so it takes time to turn in your phones and other things and take your visas. And so there was a line that was forming in the men's room. And so we are standing there waiting to get into the men's room, use the urinal, and I see these two North Korean airport workers, and they decide, hey, they, they, they decide to share one urinal, which I'd never seen before in the West. And I thought, my God, that is, that is so efficient. <laughs> I mean, why didn't I think of that? And I thought, you know, when I get back, I'm going to start suggesting that to strangers um, uh, in men's rooms and see what happens, you know, could double the speed of the line. So I was just so surprised that just a few minutes into the country, I've learned something new and had kind of a semi-epiphany that uh, I could uh, use. So I was looking forward to seeing what else I was going to learn during that trip. <laughs> Is that something that you brought back to the U.S. with you, James? Only in my head. I have not um, <laughs> uh, at, the, the, at the San Francisco Symphony line. I had not uh, been brave enough to suggest it to anybody. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so I mean, a, a big question that a lot of people have is like train or plane, which one's better? What do you think as someone um, who's done both? There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I mean, playing is faster. I didn't get the chance to fly with Air Korea. I was on Air China flight to North Korea. Um, for the train, it's slow, but it's nice. You really get to see a lot just sitting, watching out of the window. So it's actually worth taking the longer way by train, at least one way. Yeah, I think so. I mean, that's what I always kind of recommend to people is um, train and plane at least one of the ways. Um, for me, I tend to recommend that people go in on the train um, just because I feel that it really adds to the whole like, you know, this is not fake and this is real because it's really, really hard to um, to fake an entire like 
eight hour train journey of like country <laughs> um and like log says as well you know you get out of the train station and you kind of just see everyone is bustling it's busy you kind of get thrown into things sorry i was just going to say on that topic even though i took train to both ways uh both ways um as an aviation geek actually people do want to travel on air courier because not only that it's one of the very rare airlines that you can travel on but also just the equipment that they use is not <laughs> easily seen at other airlines around the world these days so uh so i think if i get a chance to be uh, to go back to north korea again i might try to kind of try to fly in uh or out at least one way uh for the next trip yeah and then you'll get to taste uh the famous choreo uh choreo mystery meat burger <laughs> <laughs> i've seen pictures of it i don't know whether i want to try it or not but <laughs> yeah it's kind of gray i never really <laughs> It's okay though, you know. No one's no one's had many complaints, but uh... you also get a free newspaper. Yeah, oh. you do get a free newspaper. Oh, cool. Yeah. So okay, so we've gone through security. We've gone through um, you know, our plane and train journeys and stuff like that. Uh, we're now in North Korea and we've had our first impressions. What changed the most from your impression before going and then your impression upon leaving? Well, I think one of it is the feeling of safety. I mean, there's mm -hmm. no, you know, you read things about North Korea and you think it's, it might not be a safe place or you hear things. I mean, even, even this week, I, uh, a list came out on the most dangerous countries in the world to visit and North Korea was up there. And uh, I just read a blog today. Somebody wrote that it's a dangerous place and that if you try to go to the DMZ in North Korea, there might be violence. So you hear these crazy stories and no, I felt perfectly safe there. It was one of the safest countries I've ever been in. That's a, it's a really good point, James, because I think that's one of the things that people usually ask me when they find out what I do as a job, they're like, Oh, you know, is it safe? Are you okay? Are you crazy? Like stuff like this. And for me, genuinely as someone from Liverpool in the UK, no offense <laughs> to Liverpool, but like, I feel a lot safer in the streets in Pyongyang than I do in Liverpool, <laughs> you know, like, I don't have to worry about like my phone being stolen, um, you know, weird people coming up to me on the street, uh, saying something weird to me. So I totally get that. And I think aside from from that point, like North Korea, as long as you follow the rules that you're hopefully briefed on before you go to North Korea, you know, like Korea tours, we really try and give you a good briefing on that kind of stuff. As long as you follow those rules, I don't know, did you guys feel unsafe at any point or did you have the same feeling as James? No, it's, I felt very safe the whole time, more than in other countries, yeah. more than in, at home. <laughs> in fact, I've, you know, you, you, it's, it's interesting, James, you mentioned about DMZ because before I went to North Korea, a few years back, I went to DMZ from South Korea. And they made it such a big deal that you got to sign, you know, agreement saying that you're going into an active war zone. You know, there could be violence, uh, you know, breaking out in, 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 you know, in that area and whatnot. And I'm sure that, you know, every now and then we see news of people, you know, coming through there unintentionally. And then, uh, and then something broke out, right? But, um, you know, going in from North Korea uh, to the DMZ, it was, it's no big deal. I mean, you just get on the bus and go. And uh, it wasn't, it wasn't as, uh, as, as, you know, dangerous as people made it to be for sure. Um, so yeah, I, I I completely agree. I mean, you know, you, yes, you got to follow the rules, um, but I think so. It's probably worth mentioning the rules uh, for me at least um, is that it wasn't as strict as I thought it would be. 
for example, uh, the, I think the greatest example would be uh, taking pictures. I think before I go in, I thought the rule is that you are not allowed to take pictures unless you are told specifically that you can. But it was actually the other way around. Is you, you are allowed to take pictures unless you're specifically told that you cannot. Uh, and and that is a big difference, right? You know, we, we can you know mm -hmm. uh, passing through some areas. Yeah, they say that you can't take pictures, but for the most part, you know, you, you it was it was pretty it was pretty normal from what you can do as a tourist. Uh, in terms of taking pictures, yes, you can wander outside the hotel at night. Um, that's a given. But other than that, and 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 not to take pictures somewhere, I'm pre we're, we're pretty uh pretty okay. I felt. Yeah, and I remember you had um you had a three sixty camera, right? Yeah, I did. I did. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yeah. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I, I was holding my camera and it was got a got a got a got a pole that is about, I don't know, four feet long. And I keep holding it above my head, just walking around all the time. And nobody come ask me about it. And I just I just keep walking around with my stick. <laughs> so that was, it was okay. Yeah, our rules on photography were a little different uh, back in 2009. Oh, uh, okay. We were not allowed to take pictures of people. Uh, mm -hmm. unless in very special circumstances. Um, we were not allowed to like stick a video camera out the bus window uh, or just take a video from the bus. Um, uh, although I think one person did. It's interesting what you were saying though, James, because um, I feel like, you know, a lot of people ask me why North Korea has these certain rules and like, you know, why North Korea, you know, why are you not allowed to walk around by yourself? A lot of people ask me that question and I have no answer for them. You know, it's just a rule that's in North Korea. It's just because they are, you know, worried, paranoid. It's something new to them. You know, they're not used to having foreigners in their country. And I think looking back to the rules that James dealt with in 2009 and how much it's opened up to 2019, I think it's important that it kind of just shows, you know, back in 2009 when you weren't allowed to take pictures of people, there isn't necessarily a reason why you can't take pictures of people. And, you know, back then you're not allowed to take pictures outside the bus and now you are. I think it shows that like, not there's not necessarily a reason for these rules in North Korea. It's just that they don't want to let these things happen like too quickly because they're worried what might happen. And that's why I think North Korea tourism is so important as well because it slowly kind of opens these things up. Once they start getting used to um, tourists taking photos then oh okay you know this this tourist actually accidentally took a picture of a, a person walking on the street but it was fine you know or, oh that that person was taking pictures outside the bus but actually there was nothing wrong with that so like let's let it happen you know so I think that's a really interesting point um, and you know maybe one day uh, maybe in the next 10 years we'll be doing this again and um, we'll be able to walk around Pyongyang by ourselves who knows uh, that's the dream <laughs> What did you wish you knew before going to North Korea? Like, if you were to go again, maybe what would you, or like, if you had friends going, what would you tell them? Maybe one thing, because I expect it to be really strict. I moved all, most of the photos from my phone. And then when the guides asked me if they could see maybe any photos on my phone that I have from home, from any, I was like, oh, I have nothing. Because mm -hmm. I kind of move everything because I thought maybe there's something under someone will see and will not be okay but now I wish I had them to maybe show to have more stuff to talk about maybe with the guides and anyone else 
Yeah, that's a really good point because when we go into North Korea, I mean, we recommend to people that like you check your phone um, and you check your computer or something like that for any forbidden material that you might have in there. And for those that haven't been before, forbidden material is things like anything on North or South Korea, um, any like foreign films that have anything to do with North Korea, pornography, stuff like that. So, you know, you were very right to go through your photos and, and, you know, try and clear, like, it's better to be safer than sorry. Some people just like completely clear stuff. But um, the guides love to hear about um, your hometown and like love to hear about your lives and stuff. So, yeah, that's a really nice point. For me, like one thing that I always forget that like I kind of got into the routine of later on, like after like 10 tours, but um, it was to always have tissue with me. You know, because like the the toilet, I mean, when I lived, I lived in Beijing as well. So it's the same thing in Beijing. I don't know why I was never prepared. But, you know, public toilets, um, especially on the train and stuff like that, they never have tissue paper in them. Well, before I go on a trip, I always tell myself, I'm going to forget one thing that's important. And so, and that way I don't get disappointed when I find out what that one thing is. And on this trip, I forgot the charger for one of my cameras. So I remember just trying to stretch out being very selective about which pictures I took on that camera because I knew I was going to run out. So that's the one thing I wish I had known beforehand, bring my charger. Yeah, especially um, if you're getting the train in and out, there is no charging points on that train. So you're going to want to make sure that you have, uh, actually some of them do have like cables, but like you're in a carriage of like 40 people that all want to use charging cables. (laughs) Um, So yeah, remember power banks. So uh, one of my favorite things about visiting North Korea actually is the guides. Like, I just love the time that I spend with them. I think they're hilarious. Um, I recently started this like a series on Instagram where I'm like showing um, funny conversations that I've had with like North Koreans and the jokes that they tell and stuff like that. And people seem to really like them. So I was wondering if you guys had any like awkward conversations with the guides, funny conversations with the guides, or like just conversations that really stuck to you and, you know, made you laugh. I would say this is one of my one of the, the best experience actually in North Korea was was when I was in the hotel and then we went up to uh, the bar and had a drink. I don't know if you were with us, Zoe, but it was with with the guy uh, who shall remain nameless and uh, <laughs> uh, you know you know who he is. Um, so it was just a few of us and then we're having a drink. So after a couple of beers, uh, you know, he opened up a little bit, right? So he was obviously talking a little bit more about his personal life compared to what he would be willing to share in front of the whole tour group uh, in the bus. So, so I learned I learned a little bit more uh, about him as a person, and also perhaps about you. What you would say is probably more of a you can almost say a privileged uh, uh, job. You know, somebody who have a privileged job in North Korea who, who get to actually interact with uh, with foreigners. And I I felt that that experience was. Uh, was very was was very real and it was uh and it was you know very moving I would say in fact it was probably in terms of yeah as I as I said just uh, right at the start in terms of my trip um at least for the understanding of the North Korean culture that evening when we were just kind of drink drinking and chatting away uh it was it was very good can you give us some like concrete examples of like what he or she was saying and stuff so my tour guide actually had the privilege of leaving north korea 
mm-hmm. before uh, he became a tour guide. So he was he was in China, he was in Russia. Uh, his English was 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 very good, and uh, and ultimately, you know, you, you know, you don't you don't necessarily have ever meet people in North Korea, let alone people who have been in North Korea, who left North Korea, came back to North Korea, now, you know, working in North Korea. And and, and obviously, you know, the conversation didn't get too political about, about the state of affairs of things. But I think what I took away was that he obviously has, has a bigger understanding of, of where North Korea is compared to, say, the rest of the world. But for him, um, you know, maybe for him or for his family and whatnot, uh, you know, where he was at the time, uh, in terms of the lifestyle, the comp- you know, whatever, uh, it's good enough for him. So that's what, that's what, that's why he's doing what he's doing. And he loved what he was doing. Um, and, you know, I, I'm sure that, you know, we've all heard stories where, where people thought about North Korean people are all suffering and whatnot. And I don't believe that is the case. I'm sure that there are, there are some people who suffers, but there are also a lot of people who, who perhaps um, do you know live in that society under that system and is doing okay, uh, and and they're not willing to risk giving that up by you know doing something that perhaps the state doesn't want them to do. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I always recommend um, for people that want to have like some of the like I mean, like you said, for the best experiences that you can have in North Korea, sometimes it happens in the bar, you know, after the tour has finished and when the guides are relaxed, when they can like talk to you and chill out and, and enjoy your beer and stuff. Yeah, I didn't I don't recall any like funny or intimate conversations <laughs> with the guides. Um I I did uh bring with me a whole bag of pins with the flag of North Korea and the United States on one pin. Oh wow! And I gave them out to whoever would was willing to accept it. So I think maybe thought that was a little weird. I think I think if you maybe were to bring that there now, it probably wouldn't go down so well with um, U.S. and DPRK <laughs> relations. A little bit more tense than maybe when you went. Um, but yeah, that's uh, where did you get those badges? I just ordered them before I went. You can get anything online. I also gave them out to. <laughs> Uh, fellow students at uh, Peking University who were from North Korea. Just because Locke and James, you both mentioned now, like North Koreans abroad, had I had any of you um, seen North Koreans abroad before you went to North Korea, or have you seen North Koreans abroad out of North Korea now? Only in Beijing. Yeah, so you saw some students at Peking University, was it? And and also the the infamous North Korean restaurants. Ah, which which North Korean restaurants did you go to before? Just the one in Beijing. Very cool. They actually had a few in Beijing. I don't know if our listeners know who are listening right now, um, but previously um, there used to be a lot of North Korea restaurants all over the world, like in Europe, um, all throughout Asia. There used to be several in Beijing, but unfortunately, because of sanctions, um, they've been forced to close because um, there's now sanctions on North Koreans working abroad. Most of the North Koreans who used to live and work abroad um, have returned home, but those sanctions came in pretty much just before COVID. So not all the North Koreans went home in time, as far as I'm aware. And some of them have been stuck out abroad for this whole time um, and not able to enter North Korea. But yeah, maybe um, maybe one day the North Korean restaurants will open back up again and we can all enjoy our favorite North Korean foods. Pyongyang <laughs> noodles, music. kimchi and kimchi pancakes and the music. Yeah. Did you guys all have um, a performance at the restaurants um, when you were there? Yes. How did you find that? A little awkward, maybe, but interesting, nice still. 
Yeah, like I don't think in any other restaurant circumstance do we have like live performances as intense, like at at any level, but as intense as they are in North Korea, it's just not a thing that you find. So, I mean, that's uh, probably the only time I ever heard the accordion. One of the guides was asking me, he was in training, like I can't remember the names, I remember their faces, but the names are just gone. Uh, he was asking me about my life at home. Oh, do you have a boyfriend and so on? At the time I did. And he asked me, oh, what does he work? And I told him what he worked. And he was like, oh, no, that's not a good job. You need a new boyfriend. We're <laughs> <laughs> honest people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We've kind of talked about whether you guys found it safe or not. And generally, you know, you found it safer than you thought that you might do. But were there any scary points? Were there any nerve-wracking points? Were there any points where you were more nervous than otherwise? Were there any places that you visited that you were like, ooh, or, you know, did anyone, did you did you make a mistake and someone say to you like, oh, you know, please delete that photo or please don't do that, please don't say that. Like, it's okay if you did, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna tell you off now. <laughs> no, I mentioned that I, I was impressed by how safe everything was. So I was uh, surprised when I was buying books at the Young Gakdo Hotel bookstore. And, you know, the socialist countries, they put the prices on the back. So you know exactly what the cost is. And so I had a stack of books I brought up to the woman at the, uh, uh, the cashier. And she gave me some number. And I thought, wait a minute, that doesn't sound right. And I thought, no, it can't be. This is a safe country with no crime, or almost no crime, public crime. And I think, but... No, I think she's ripping me off, but I didn't want to question it. So I just gave her the money and I think she made an extra $20, $30 from me. And I later added it up. And yeah, she ripped me off. So it surprised me because she had a privileged position dealing with foreigners, but um, that was outweighed by hard currency. So I just thought it was amusing. I didn't complain about it. It wasn't worth causing problems for her. I just thought it was amusing that, you know, people are sometimes people. Yeah. <laughs> Also, it was my fault because Coriel Torres said, don't buy your books here. We're going to go to the bookstore in a day or two, buy it there. And I broke. I didn't listen. You got to listen to the guides. <laughs> and un unlike other tours that you might go on that like get commission from like taking you to certain shops, I can promise you that like when we do that, it's because we know like the cheaper places. <laughs> you don't have pockets full of North Korean one. Yeah. You kick back. <laughs> Yeah, shh, don't tell them. <laughs> <laughs> How about you guys, Locke and Tasha? What would you say? Was there any nerve-wracking points? Like, was it scary visiting the DMZ or? No, the rules are very clear. You know them in advance and they're not hard to follow. So it's really, for me, it wasn't a big deal. Yeah, the rules itself, no, uh, I wasn't scared by that. I was just looking through my pictures and uh, actually I remember the, I think the most Scary, the scariest moment that I had was when we went to that uh, resort, beach resort town thing that is close by, mm -hmm. and uh, we were allowed to kind of walk along um, the road uh, and uh, and interact with the local actually. And I remember there was there was two groups of young people. They were having some sort of barbecue or, or eating some sort of things. I don't know what they were eating, but they were so friendly that they offer us to eat with them while we sit down there. And as, uh, you know, just to be nice, not to be rude. And of course I ate with them. I had no idea what I was eating. I wasn't <laughs> sure it was fully cooked or not. So I was actually a little bit scared whether I'm going to get sick because of it. Uh, but that was actually the most nerve wracking part for my, for my trip was I was eating something. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's fully cooked. I don't know if it's clean. 
Um, it wasn't from a restaurant, obviously. It was just sitting. I still got pictures of of uh, of that group of people who were just kind of grilling stuff or cooking stuff just on the side of the road, um, having fun themselves. And and they were obviously very nice, inviting us to uh, to join them. Uh, but yeah, that was a little bit scary. I love it that that was like you go to North Korea and that's your scariest experience is like am I going to end up with food poisoning? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. So it was uh is is I guess it's unexpected, but but all the other parts, you know, not I I didn't I didn't break any rules or anything that I know of. Uh, yeah. so yeah. No, food poisoning before a long train trip would be pretty scary. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. It is pretty <laughs> terrifying. When we went to the mausoleum, it. It's a very quiet place. You walk in the line, but what I was scared was like, what if I trip? What if I make some noise that I don't want to? Everyone was so quiet and respect. I was like, what if I do something wrong and then offend someone? But you just follow the crowd and it's okay. But maybe that, but that was not really scary. Really, I'm I'm actually surprised that you guys were not more scared, but. I guess it's a good thing. <laughs> I think um, one of the things as well with the rules is that like uh, people ask me a lot, like what happens if you break the rules, right? And I think, you know, like you say, Tasha, like if you accidentally do something, like for example, if you're in the mausoleum where you have to be very, very quiet and very respectful, it's like the the massively sacred place, and you were to like cough or sneeze or like trip, then obviously you're not going to like get told off for doing that because you did it by accident right and I think the same is for also taking photos or saying something um that you know made the guides feel awkward or whatever like if you do it once like if you trip up at the mausoleum once then I'm sure that they will be like oh my gosh are you okay or like oh sorry like please don't take a photo here um just to let you know it's not allowed if you do it like two or three times like if you kept like mischievously making stupid noises at the mausoleum I'm sure that they would like take you to one side and be like yo like what's going on um and then if you keep doing it then obviously you will be taken out of there um but something to remember is like if you break the rules accidentally then you know depending on what rule it is like you know the the biggest thing that you're going to get is like a reminder hey you know stop breaking these rules if you if you don't do it with any mal intentions um, just in our last couple of minutes as well, guys, do you have any takeaways or lessons learned from your trip in North Graham? Well, I learned to think twice before I hear anything, um, uh, before believing what either former residents in North Korea might say or people who uh, have never been there might say. Um, when a former resident says there's no electricity, you know, I said, eh, I'm not sure that's entirely accurate. Or if somebody who's never been there writes an article and talks about how dangerous it is, um, you know, again, I'm can be pretty skeptical about a lot of this. So uh, that's I think one great benefit of having been there. Yeah, I agree with James. So just not to believe everything you read, especially from people who've never been to the place. On a lighter note, uh, I would <laughs> I was gonna say that the beer the beer in north korea was awesome it was it's so yeah. good <laughs> it was so good especially gold neighbor number two but it was awesome um and I, you know if it, that is perhaps the most surprising thing for me from the trip was the beer was so good i don't want to sound like an alcoholic but it was so good <laughs> really especially if you're used to beer in china or in south korea like north korean beer is is yeah i, I agree yeah. with you and um, my, yeah. my favorite number one is Gang number five, which actually mm. is like 100% rice. So people are like, actually, it doesn't really count as beer, but I like it. It's light. 
Yeah. No, I mean, Sing Tao Beer in China supposedly became world famous when a tourist went there, tried the beer, thought it was great, and got the license to sell it all the world. So this might oh, be your next, uh, when North Korea opens up, I mean, there's a, there's a blueprint out there somewhere. I've got a couple more questions before you go. Um, the second to last question is like, if you could go again, where would you go? What would you do? Like, give me a place. Or if you don't have a place, then tell me what you want to do. You want to go to a, co a coffee shop or you want to visit Mount Pegdu, something like that. Um, for me, I think, because uh, last time I spent, uh, it was just a short tour, it was like five days, six days. So this time I would like to see more uh, of the rural area outside uh, of uh, Pingyang. Uh, perhaps, I don't know, to the East Coast or to uh, to the Northeast. Rasan, is that the, the name of yeah. the place? Yeah, so I would like I would like to be able to, to do that next time. Yeah, I'll definitely go to Pyongyang again. It's a really nice, beautiful city. And then all the places I haven't been in North Korea yet, also Manpikdu and East Coast, that I would do again. It was really nice. I mean, definitely Pyongyang again, now that I can take more videos and photographs than I was allowed to before. But <laughs> definitely... Going on the countryside, going to the lakes, the beach, just being seeing all the beauty out there, unpolluted beauty. Um, mm -hmm. And I go to other places, and there's there's litter everywhere. There's garbage in other countries. I mean, this looks I, maybe I'm just seeing selective photographs, but it just looks so beautiful. Okay, and one final question for you guys: the big, you know, million dollar question: is it real or is it fake? <laughs> real, I think it's real real <laughs> it's as, as real as COVID-19 <laughs> <laughs> all too real all too real yeah. oh no <laughs> well it's, 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 it's as real as they let you see it let's put it this way it's mm. as real as they let you see it I don't know what sort of uh, you know barriers that they put in terms of places that we're not allowed to visit yeah. but the places that we do visit I don't think that it was it was staged uh, as I said in the beginning excellent Okay, do you guys have anything else you want to add before we close it off? No, thanks for uh, thanks for the invite for this. This is nice. Yeah. <laughs> it was awesome catching up with you guys. It was awesome kind of reminiscing about North Korea times. I hope that um I hope we can visit together again sometime. Sure. Yeah, I'd love to go back yeah. with you as my guide, Zoe. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me on my first ever episode of this podcast guys <laughs> thank you very much and uh we'll catch up soon guys thanks bye bye, bye thank you okay so that was an absolutely awesome conversation uh with my guests chatting about what is a tour to north korea really like absolutely loved reminiscing on all of those points there Thanks for sticking around if you did stick around to the end. Thank you to my amazing guests who agreed to come on this very first episode of this new exciting podcast series. Do let me know if you have any questions, anything you want to say. Honestly, anything, just let me know. ZoeDiscovers at gmail.com or ZoeDiscoversNK on Instagram. You can also find me on TikTok and on YouTube if you do want to check out some of those videos. Thank you so much. And I guess I will see you or hear you next week. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash 
upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.